This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. You got the Yankees coming into the year where all of these high hopes should have been sellers at the deadline. They called up the kids in September. Mets with aspirations of winning a World Series, sellers at the deadline. High on the Jets. They lose their quarterback four plays in, but we're still here. Ty Butler going until 630 right here on 98.7 ESPN. You know the vibes. 800-919-3776. That is the phone number you can reach us at. And hit us on Twitter and on the gram at Ty D. Butler. Two hours from now, we will go around the league. Week two of the NFL season with Sal Pal. So much to get to with him. So we'll do that, play a little in or out with our producers, Julian and Chantel. Baseball. I mean, the Shohei Otani news is devastating. He, he's officially out for the season. Not that it would have mattered for the Angels, but now you wonder if he's played his last game for that, for that organization. Talk about that. The Mets have a new president of baseball operations. Yankees dealing with some devastating news this week with uh, Dominguez. Being out and now going to miss the next ten, nine to ten months, so so a lot on the table. We'll talk some basketball as well. Quietly, season sneaking up on us. You get preseason action in eleven days, about five weeks from Knicks Celtics opening night at the Garden should be fun. So a whole lot to cover. Ty Butler here to six thirty eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. But we start with here comes Willis. Are you saying there's a chance? Because I'm listening to Rodgers yesterday do his this weekly spot with Pat McAfee that's always enjoyable. Shout out to Pat McAfee. I mean, hell of a job he's doing with that show and now on the network. So uh, it, it, it's exciting to see the quarterback uh, of the Jets still show up. And he actually gave you some hope. Maybe it's a pipe dream, but did entertain the idea that Somehow, some way, maybe he could be back this season if the Jets find a way to get into the playoffs. Uh, you know, Cam Akers did have that accelerated torn Achilles surgery that saw him return at the tail end of that uh, of that 2021 season when the Rams won the Super Bowl. But uh, none of us are doctors. All we can do is is do our homework and our research, and we see typically this takes nine to twelve months before returning to action. January is four months from now. So is it on the table? I don't know. Doesn't sound very likely. But when you do toy with that idea, you're like, man, that would without question become the greatest accomplishment ever. I mean, if a guy tears his Achilles, then four months later comes back and marches his team to the Super Bowl, a team that hasn't won in 54 years, that would be a hell of a story. I don't think it's going to happen, but I will say listening to that yesterday uh, gave me a little bit more optimism going forward because clearly he has every intention of returning to this team next season. And the window, at least for now, doesn't appear to be closed. We'll see what happens with the rehab and the process of him getting back on the field and and now in his age 40 season trying to do the unthinkable you don't get older healthier and more durable especially for a team that it feels like has just been snake bitten I mean three consecutive years you've now had season ending injuries early you saw it with Carl Lawson Couple years ago, last year was back to there. Now this one, the biggest one of them all, with Rogers going down. I can't even tell you how depressed I was watching that on Monday. I look over to my buddy who's a Jet fan, and I said, "Are you serious? This this cannot be happening." All of the the hype, all of the noise we had been building up coming into the season, 
the expectations, the joy, the enthusiasm, four plays into the game, he's going down and he's grabbing his leg, and we see him on a cart, and he said yesterday he knew immediately that it was done. So we were all sitting there speculating you know, with high hopes. We saw the x-rays come back negative. We're thinking maybe there's a chance that he avoided a catastrophe, but nope, it was over. Over really before it had began. Through one pass, incomplete. This is how the season is starting? This is how it's going to go? How deflating. But it's not over, right? Because you know these games will still be played, and you have to channel that next man up. Is there a, a, a worse drop-off in all of football going from Rodgers to Zach Wilson, who, let's be fair, the last couple of years has made a case He's the worst starting quarterback in football. Is there a more significant drop-off? So now you're asking him to essentially save your season because the Jets still have a very talented roster. And the question now becomes, what's Zach Wilson's ceiling? What's the ceiling for this kid? Because it's going to determine whether or not the Jets are a legitimate playoff team. You get one win in your bag— And by the way, what got lost all week long was the amount of credit that should have been given to Robert Sala for managing to have his his team still ready to play, absent of his Hall of Fame quarterback, to experience that national television, primetime, you know, the world is watching, to have your quarterback go down in that fashion— and to still be able to galvanize and rally your troops to the finish line despite a 10-point halftime deficit, he deserves tremendous credit for it. And that defense essentially pitched a shutout in in the final half. Yes, they gave up the field goal to tie, but to start overtime, aided by a false start, they got the Bills off the field after four plays, and then you went on the walk-off. I I just think that, and rightfully, I will say, Salah came into this season with massive pressure, maybe on the hot seat, depending on how, how things have gone this year. And you look at his 11-23 and 23 record, hasn't really established himself as someone who you can consider to be uh, not just a, 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 a great head coach, but a good one, someone capable of taking this team to higher heights. And what we saw Monday night was, look, we, we still have a football game to win. The mentality was, yes, is this crushing? Uh, would we have, you know, could we just lie down and, and, and succumb to our circumstances? Of course we can, but we're not going to do that. And not that Zach was great. That defense was awesome. Special teams won them the game. So I, I, I think Salah deserves a lot of credit. But the situation with Zach is pretty, pretty clear. The question is, is he the worst starting quarterback in football? And if the answer is yes, the Jets have no shot. You watch him, you look at the numbers, and then Vegas tells you all you need to know about how they feel about the drop-off. The line essentially shifted damn near a touchdown going from Rodgers to Wilson. So you look at all he's up against. I mean, think about what we were talking about with the Jets coming into the year and why we felt like this team could actually not just make the playoffs but go on a little bit of a run and, you know, maybe challenge Cincinnati, challenge the Chiefs in the AFC. And it was because they had significantly improved at the quarterback position. So now we find ourselves right back where we were last year. 
Is Zach the guy or isn't he? And look, you love what you heard from training camp. He has showed some maturation. He's developed under the tutelage of Rodgers. Here's what you have to bank on if you're a Jets fan. We've, we've seen nothing to, to indicate that he's taking that next step. What you're hoping is that, you know, it, to be thrust into the action in that way on Monday night is a little bit unfair. He, he was expected to have the unconventional, you know, third-year redshirt season where we didn't see him for an entire year. He was going to learn behind Rodgers. The Jets were going to be awesome, and that was going to be his reset, which the coach last year said he needed a little bit of a reset. So we can take nothing away from what we saw on Monday night. But what you're hoping is, now that he has that veteran leader and presence in his ear, someone who has, you know, been fond of him from afar, that you know, they met prior to the Rodgers trade, if he's able to just show some type of incremental increase and in improvement from last year, then the Jets still have a chance to make the playoffs. Why? Because their defense could be the best in the league. And it was funny, because uh, all game long, I was actually annoyed watching Sauce, because you know all you hear is, this could be the 85 Bears defense. And I'm like, yo, it's time to show us that. You guys have done all this talking, let's see it on the field. So the, the, despite the fact that Sauce, I thought, had a very subpar game, And for the Jets to come out and look as great as they did on that end was very encouraging. I mean, look at Quincy Williams flying all over the field. He was electrifying. Quinnen, we know how special he is on that defensive line. C.J. Mosley had a near pick. Buffalo turned the ball over four times. Should have been six because there was a play early in that, the first quarter I believe it was, where the the refs ruled that uh, forward progress had been stopped. The Jets got the ball out of Josh Allen's hands, looked like it was a scoop and score. They blew the play dead. I have no reason to believe that that should have been the case. But you had that happen, C.J. Mosley near interception. So we've already seen, now it's only one game, but we've already seen the hype translated. We've already seen it it be recognized. This defense can be elite. The secondary was not great outside of Whitehead. I mean, already hitting the incentive. Shout out to him. Three interceptions. Phenomenal. This defense is going to be special. Maybe you do have a weapon with Xavier Gibson on on special teams. That can be game-changing, giving your offense shorter fields to work with. And for anybody like myself who had questions about Brees Hall and how he was going to react and respond from tearing his ACL last year in that game against Denver— and being ready for the start of the season. Yes, he admitted he was on a pitch count, but boy, did he look like he had that burst back. Looked like a a, a game changer, the same one that he was last year. What a weapon he is, which is why if you're a Jet fan, you can be excited about the potential of this offense now that you have him back. You've got Dalvin Cook alongside him who's going to be able to spell him uh, just because you don't want to run Brees Hall into the ground early. We know Dalvin Cook historically, tends to drop off in the second half of the season. And in this situation, it works out because that's when you're expecting Brees Hall to kind of hit that hit, hit the gas button and take it up a notch. Garrett Wilson, I mean, unbelievable touchdown grab. Unbelievable. Bad throw, 
but he was able to mid-air tap it to himself, fall on the fanny, and still maintain control of the ball. We saw nothing from Hardman, and, and Salah said something about, like, you know, uh, they had a game plan coming in that they had to switch on the fly once Rodgers went down. But they've got some weapons on offense, which is why it's going to come back to the same conversation we were having last year. And as frustrating as it is to, come, to, to continue to beat the dead horse of Zach Wilson, uh, is he going to get better? Look, we don't need him to be Dan Marino. No one is asking him to be Mahomes or Burrow or Jalen Hurts. Can you just not look as bad as you did last year? Is it okay to expect you to just be an average quarterback? History tells us no. I find it really hard to believe that he's going to be able to overcome the tall order that is in front of him. Remember, he suffered the embarrassment of being benched twice last year. Twice. And as excited as Jet fans were, and even the, the, the players were about Mike White, Mike White wasn't special. Mike White was just an improvement over Zach Wilson and looked like he had played the position before. I mean, so it's not just the benching for Zach. It's the fact that his leadership had been impugned after the foolishness he had displayed after that New England loss. No one wants to hear you not take responsibility. Your defense held the opposing offense to three points, and y'all lost the game. They picked up six first downs. Teams do that on their opening drive. The Jets did that for an entire game. And then I thought Rosenberg uh, made an excellent point on the K-Show yesterday, which is like, you wonder if, him never really being challenged contributed to what has so far derailed him professionally. He's a privileged kid, gifted with athletic talent. He was taking number two overall. There was never a question where the Jets were going. Lawrence went one. Zach was always going number two, especially after that throw he made during his pro day. And he comes in, didn't have to compete for the job. It was just handed to him. And time after time, he saw failure upon failure. So maybe there is an element of the coaching staff handling the situation wrong last year, allowing the guys to wear Mike White T-shirts, and maybe you should have just, you know, rolled him uh, to see what kind of progression we're going to get out of this guy who you invested a lot in. But the fact of the matter is he did not shine himself in glory last year. And now, about 25 hours from, from, from now— He's got an opportunity to really rectify that. He's got a chance to change the narrative. I'm not going into this game as a Jet fan with high expectations. Everyone is expecting this to be low scoring. And by the way, Greg Zerline out tomorrow. So the Jets got to bring in the kicker. And, you know, in a game that everyone is saying it's expected to be a defensive battle, one on that side of the ball, low scoring, you figure you're going to get a lot of field goals kicked. That has to be a concern uh, if, you, if you're analyzing this game. But for Zach, here's your chance, man. The, on the table for the Jets going into the bye week is 3-3. Three and three. You can definitely get to 3-3. Three and three. You've got the Cowboys tomorrow. Might be the best defense in football. We saw what they did to the Giants uh, this past Sunday night. And if the Jets' offensive line struggled against Buffalo, a really good line, but without Vaughn Miller, you could imagine the problems that face them tomorrow when you've got Lawrence and, and Parsons on the other side with Diggs and, and Stephon Gilmore in that secondary. So it's going to be a bloodbath. 
or it can be a bloodbath if this offensive line doesn't show up and if Zach is still making those terrible throws where he's running across the field, going to his right, throwing across his body, or, I mean, the interception he threw to Milano just made no sense to me. I'm watching multiple replays, multiple views, multiple angles, and I'm trying to figure out what was he seeing on that play. The, the, the frequency to run backwards. I understand trying to extend plays, but sometimes it happens and it comes to his own detriment. So it's a roller coaster. But we're back to where we were last year. And, you know, as depressing as it is to have all this anxiety leading up into kickoff, it's a privilege because it means the games matter. And why does the game matter? Because, like I said, 3-3 three and three is on the table heading into the bye week. You've got a stellar defense. You've got maybe a you know, legitimate weapon on special teams. Your offense is still really good. You've got an offensive coordinator who knows what the hell he's doing. And as I started with, a lot of respect now aimed in the direction of Robert Sala. It's only been one game, but that one game sample was a pretty good one. The Jets were here a year ago. We spent an entire offseason in training camp previewing what they could look like. Now that they added a four-time Hall of Fame, uh, four-time MVP Hall of Fame quarterback, he's now gone, and we turn back to a, a familiar face in the name of Zach Wilson. Uh, so. Is this guy headed toward the path of an all-time draft bust or one of the most resilient quarterback stories we've seen in quite some time? What's more likely? We'll talk about it. 800-919-3776. Ty Butler going until 630. Giants play a big game tomorrow, too. We'll talk about that. The entire NFL Week 2 slate is on the table. We'll do baseball. We'll do basketball. Whole lot to do. Ty Butler going to 630 right here on 987 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Wants to lead off on the show today. What's good, Ralph? How's it going, man? It's going well, man. What's going on? Holla at me. What's up? Listen, man, if you if you let me, I have a few points to just- Defend uh, Zach a little bit. Okay, um, let's hear. I'm I'm all for defending Zach. I I want Zach to be good, so I I'm excited for this. Let's hear it. Me too, and I think the signs are there that we can believe this, right? So I think we forgot the fact that one, he was five and zero when Brees Hall was there, right? We 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 we're only remembering the last six seven games of last season, but we forgot that his coming out party against that Pittsburgh game when he led the team and he was on midfield, he said, "Yo, let's go freaking win this," right? He took the team down and won that game. Ralph, I mean, let me just stop. I'll let you continue. I'll let you continue. But it's important to, in your pitch for Zach Wilson, let's not massage the facts. He was not 5-0. He was 5-2. Remember, they lost week one to Baltimore. Then they lost week three to Cincinnati. They were 5-2. But go ahead, continue. Go ahead. Right? So the biggest thing for, for me for the Monday night game, right, I saw two things. So what was the biggest thing with him last year is the fact that he made he couldn't make easy look easy. And coming into that game, obviously with everything, all the emotions, Aaron Rodgers going down, and for him to to come in with, obviously he's not ready to play, right, because nobody thought this will happen. But he came in, you know, emotions in check, and he made easy look easy. He didn't make any backyard football plays where, you know, you mentioned earlier as well, you know, that's what we fear of him, right, making those mistakes. He didn't make those mistakes. He, He ran out threw the ball away, he made easy look easy, dump balls, quick quick shots, 
and people are saying, oh, he didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't win it, win it for us, but he made those plays to get to the play when, you know, uh, Garrett Wilson made that great play, right? He also threw an interception, a bad interception into traffic where there were three right. defenders there. That, that's fine, right? So he, he's going to make mistakes. We, we get that. But at the end of the day, we don't need him to be perfect. Our defense is great. Like I said, he made easy look easy. I think that was the biggest thing that coming in from last year is he couldn't make those baby throws, those, those, those you know, basic throws. And I think those are the biggest things that we're missing out. A lot of people not mentioning that he actually improved on those things. Well, listen, so I, I hear. coming in. Okay. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I was saying coming in, all this confidence that I had in, in Zach Wilson is just coming from those little things. And now let's mention the offensive coordinator, right? He didn't have one last year, right? So now, that's, sure, he got benched twice. But that's, for me, it's not, it's losing that running back. Like, we, we, we give all these other quarterbacks a break when they lose their running backs. If, if Daniel Jones lost his running back, we'll be like, oh, well, the reason why he, he didn't perform because he lost Saquon. But how come we can't give Zach Wilson that break because he lost his running game? There was no running game the last six, seven games of the season, right? And, but we're not giving him that break. We just say, oh, no, he, he's horrible. But we're not looking at the the first six games, seven games of the season last year. Well, here's the thing, he Ralph. The running game, the defense is stout. I hear right? you. I hear you, Ralph, and I appreciate the call. The problem, though, is that everyone watching him last year, everyone watching him last year, through 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 the first seven games, there was not a single person alive saying, "You know what? The Jets are winning these games because of who they have at quarterback." That was not the story of the season. So I think it's easy right now to throw out the 5-2 and two record uh, that Zach had, especially when Brees Hall was there. And yes, losing him uh, is significant. Like that, that, That's a huge blow for your offense. He was your, your single best, I would say, outside of Garrett Wilson, obviously. He was no, the number one receiver on his team, one of the best receivers in football. But he was your home run hitter and your second best offensive player. Losing him is a blow. And an AVT, like that compromises your offensive line. But what we can't ignore is that in 23 career games, he's completed 55% of his passes. He's got 16 touchdowns to 19 interceptions. And we don't even just have to look at the numbers. You can watch him and see a lot of times looks overwhelmed. The moment is too big for him. And even I think even worse was... The whole leadership being called into question, where there were people in his own locker room turning against him. Like, it wasn't just that Mike White was winning games that led to his teammates throwing the t-shirts on. There was just a different vibe, a different energy. And Zach Wilson, for all of his struggles last year, last year didn't feel like was capable of holding himself accountable. So it's on the field, it's off the field, there was... There was a lot that had to be corrected. People can see behind struggles and say, all right, there's still potential there. We're going to rally around him. But there was a reason why there was so much dissension in that locker room. And it wasn't just, you know, losing AVT and Brees Hall. There was some severe, like, just leadership abilities that, that he just didn't have. There were some character flaws. Jose's and Emerson. What's up, Jose? 
Hey, how you doing? I think this goes further back. Uh, the biggest problem here is the franchise. You picked the guy from BYU. You knew what you were getting. You picked him because you saw him make one throw. In, in defense of, of Zach, the guy that was supposed to bring him into the NFL had a horrible accident and passed away. Yeah. Now, if you have nobody there to teach this kid, okay, and think, oh, we got the second-round draft pick. This guy is going to be Superman. doesn't work that way. They should have got a certified quarterback to teach this kid the ropes while he was going to be three, year three today, and maybe you would have had something. I think he's going to turn it around only because he knows what he's been through, and that whole thing with the shirts, that was Salah's fault. Yeah, listen, I, I agree with you, Jose. his fault. A hundred percent. And this kid, believe me, tomorrow I got the Jets twenty three twenty. We're wow. gonna see the real defense there. I understand Dallas has a great defense, but their quarterback's not mobile. Uh, Dak is, is I mean, come on. Dak's not mobile. That I, I don't think that that's true. Uh, appreciate the call, Jose. Dak is is he's not, you know, Jalen Hurts, he's not Lamar Jackson, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but Dak is a lot more mobile than you gave him credit for. You know, post you know, ankle surgery. Probably wants to be a little bit more conservative, especially with the history of you know injuries to their quarterbacks you know that we've seen the last twenty years. But as far as you know, Greg Knapp, that the unfortunate tragedy that that was you know him pa- passing away, yes, that that was detrimental for them. But again, like people are now going to try to make excuses for why Zach was the way that he was. The fact of the matter is, here's an opportunity for him to be in the best situation he has been in to you know since the start of his career where he's got an excellent defense unquestionably he's got a a fantastic running game with not just Brees Hall but Dalvin Cook as well he's got a great receiver in Garrett Wilson who he's had but now some complimentary weapons maybe utilizing those tight ends more than they did last year you throw in Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard He's got a, a, a bright mind as an offensive coordinator who did help Rodgers in a three-year span go 111 touchdowns to 13 picks. And he's got a team right now with some belief, right? Like you hear the conversations around around the team, and you saw Garrett Wilson riding for him. It's, it's different. This team still feels like they can't compete. So now you go in there tomorrow— uh, in Dallas, a tough environment. It's it's their first home game of the season, fresh off of waxing the Giants, and you expect to get their best punch. This should be I don't, the the line is nine and a half. That's more of a disrespect to Zach than anything else. But if it's a close game late, you trust him to make big plays? I don't know. But here's the opportunity for him to change the narrative. Great spot to be in. 800-919-3776. Back to your phone calls when we're returning. We'll also talk about the Giants who are playing for their season tomorrow. That's not hyperbole. Yes, they are playing for their season tomorrow. So we'll get into that as well. Ty Butler going until 630 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Football. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Trade for Kirk Cousins. So far, 55% said, yeah, 45% said, nah, I'm good. I'm watching Kirk Cousins on Thursday night lose another primetime game where he's now 12-21. and 21. To be fair, that wasn't on him. His team through the first couple games so far, they can't stop turning the ball over. It's why they lost last week to the Buccaneers. And 
essentially what gave the game away against uh, the Eagles on Thursday. That ju- By the way, the Justin Jefferson fumble into the end zone, the NFL has got to change that rule. It makes no sense. It's so silly that the offensive player fumbles it into the end zone and now the opposing team gets it on a touchback. Can you just move it back to where the ball was fumbled? Or, worst-case scenario, send it back to the 20. But I don't think in that situation the team with possession of the ball prior to the fumble fumbling it into the end zone should have to give it away. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, are you all in on a, a trade for Kirk Cousins? If you're a Jets fan, should he be on their radar? The Vikings, you look at their schedule, could be staring at like 2-5. and five. They are, They've already dropped their first two games. They came into the season with the narrative being they, they're going to take a step back. They lose Thielen. They lose Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins now in the final year of his deal. They overachieved last year. All you had to do was watch them all year. Went on, you know, field goal after field goal, then get you know, beat in the playoffs by the Giants to see that that, that was that was a, a fraudulent team to begin with. But now they started 0-2. They're home for the Chargers next week before going to Carolina. Then they're home for the Chiefs before going to Chicago. So they could be 2-5 and five before that, uh, uh, and then home for, for, for the Niners on the Monday night game. They could be 2-5 and five after that stretch. And then at Green Bay, at Atlanta, two teams who maybe are better than we thought they were coming into the season. So there is a chance that Minnesota could look to flip him when he's in the final year of his contract. And the Jets, if they don't love what they have at quarterback, could be involved in those sweepstakes. And I think there are cases to be made for both sides. The, the Jets have had one season of 4,000 yards passing. you got to go back all the way to 1967. Joe Namath threw for 4,007 yards. Cousins has had seven seasons where he would have been the all-time Jets leader uh, in that for franchise history uh, in passing yards. Seven different times he would have set the franchise record for a single season. Franchise record for touchdowns in the season, 31. Remember, 2015, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Kirk Cousins has had two seasons of 35 and 33. So two years he would have set the single-season record for touchdowns for this franchise. I get it. Is he a great quarterback? Can you win a Super Bowl with him? Probably not. But to try to salvage your season if the price is right, maybe, it just maybe, you should be in on him. But we're, we're going to continue to be you know smacked in the face with his primetime record. Nine games under 500. The Jets have five more of those primetime games this year. So it's not someone you trust, you know, in non one o'clock games. But could he simply be better than Zach Wilson? And we're gonna learn. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Jose's in Brooklyn. What's up, Jose? Hey, good afternoon, Ty. Hello, Julian Chantel. Shout out to the company. Definitely wanted to you know, chime in on the jet talk because I, I, I find it funny, you know. I, I'm one of those that as soon as I figured out and solved the solution to a problem, I'm not going to go out there and revisit all the stages of operation again and try to blame other stages in that operation like, you know, you know, the sadly the coach, you know, fatally dying and, you know, the rookie offensive coordinator and Salah being the rookie head coach and forcing a number two overall pick to start early, which 
consensus is is when you pick someone that high, it, it is to be the franchise quarterback, and you're supposed to see what they have right away as opposed to, you know, having them sit for two years where you didn't draft them number two overall to sit for two years. It, it, it's just a, a amazing how we turn ourselves into these knots when – we kind of knew what, what what this was going to be, and we we just ignored all the red flags that showed that this person might not be a very good NFL quarterback. But I'm hoping I'm wrong. I do. I don't want to be harsh in my judgment, but it is kind of hard for me to unsee what I've saw, seen in the last two years because it's not just that he went five and two. We have to realize he was five and four as a starting quarterback last yeah. year. Those last two games that he played did matter. And he was horrendous the year before where guys like Michael Carter and Elijah Moore were lost. And as soon as you throw in a Mike White or a Johnson or a Flacco, all of a sudden they looked like they looked like, you know, contributing pieces that could, that showed flashes to the NFL players. And then all of a sudden those two are the ones that are in the doghouse because, you know, the rumblings of Zach Wilson's unprofessionalism and everything kind of seeped over to the next year. Like, let's be real here. We all kind of know what was happening in the back, in, 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 in the back, in, in the back scenes. And we all know what was happening on the field. Yeah. It's kind of annoying that the fans are kind of deluding themselves into this. I think I what's happening. There. So there's a complex here happening here, Jose, and I appreciate the call. There, There is a segment of the jet population or our jet fan population i should say that is nervous about this experiment because you're now re-entering into a marriage that you divorced publicly and it was ugly last year and you're re-entering it out of desperation because it's week two you can't just like kick the rest of the season to the curb it's important these games matter people talk about windows well it's just a, a young team well, injuries happen. Guys, as they get better, become more expensive. And with the hard cap in the NFL, it's really hard to maintain this core group of players, which is why, you know, you see teams strike when the iron is hard, strike when the iron is hot, trying to capitalize on, you know, quarterbacks on their rookie deals and then adding around them. Like, that's the most ideal situation to be in because you'll see it happen with, with the Bengals, T. Higgins. They're not going to be able to keep him. We saw Tyreek Hill get traded from the Chiefs. It's important to capitalize on these windows. So when you turn back to, 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 to Zach in a moment of desperation, after having watched him you know, make the case that he is the worst starting quarterback in football, you have to try to find a way to you know, inject some optimism, which is why you see all the excuses be made for him. But... What we can't deny is how pathetic it is that he has now put himself into a situation as the number two overall pick. Not 10 years ago. Just two years ago, he was the number two overall pick. But he's put himself into a spot where mostly everyone, and I would argue rightfully, feels like turning to him to salvage the season, uh, to, to salvage the season might be a death sentence. And that's embarrassing. Chris is in Beth Page. What's up, Chris? Hey, Ty. Um, listen, you, you're, you're knocking it out of the park, exactly everything you're saying. Um, you know I'm a Giant fan, but I'm very disappointed. I'm not a Jet hater by any means. In fact, I think I told you last week before all this happened is 
it's Super Bowl a bust for this team because they're that good, you know. And I was psyched for the game. I went out with my wife. We were all psyched for that game Monday night against the Bills. Then he gets hurt four plays in, and you're like, oh. And then you see Zach Wilson coming out there, and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, I, oh, my God. Are we losing you, Chris? But I really was up. What? Oh, okay, we were losing you there for a moment. Go ahead. Let me hear. Okay, you, you have me? I'm sorry. So, anyhow, I agree with you. The Jets have to look big picture here. They can't do a salvage game with, like, uh, maybe he can work out. Maybe the offensive coordinator can help him out. They can't do that. You said it perfectly. The window in football is so small. I mean, look at the Rams in Tampa. They won yeah. Super Bowls in the last couple of years. <laughs> They're not expected to do anything now. Their window's shut. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They won their Super Bowl and got out. This is the Jets' time right now. So I think they have to, have to do whatever they can to get a guy like Kirk Cousins in there. And, you know, you also have to think, hey, what happens if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back fully? So I think that's the perfect solution. In, in a way, don't think you could salvage this season. I think it's unsalvageable. And I don't want to hear about the running game and this and that because you know what teams are going to do. You know what's yeah. going to happen. You're going to see it tomorrow. Yep. They're going to put eight, nine mm-hmm. people in the box. And they're, they're going to take away Brees Hall. Believe me, I know it as a Giant fan. They take away Saquon Barkley. They're like, come on, Danny Dimes, beat us. Yep. And and I, I saw it. So that's what's going to happen. So you've got to, got to go out and do whatever you can to get Kirk Cousins. And he's in the last year now. It, now would be the perfect time to go out and get him and salvage this thing. And there's no doubt, a guy like Kirk Cousins with that talent around him, he definitely could take him far in the playoffs. No doubt. But there's no way you're doing it with Zach Wilson. I'm sorry. It's funny, Everything Chris. Seen, yeah, yep. listen, I, I appreciate the call. It's funny when you mentioned, like, we're all talking about this. Well, all the Jets have to do is limit the mistakes for Zach, win with the running game. All, all the teams understand that that's going to be your philosophy and your blueprint going forward, which is why they're going to ask one of the most inaccurate passers in all of football to beat them with, with his arm. Can he do that? I mentioned 23 career games, 55% a completion percentage. That's not going to win a lot of football games. So he is going to have to show somewhat of a, a, a maturation or a, a, you know, a growth spurt. Sitting behind Rodgers in, train, in, in training camp and throughout the offseason and you know <laughs> four plays in the first game of the year, he's back into a situation where we got to see something, man. And, and look, it, it's an unenviable spot to be in if you're Joe Douglas because like we all just forgot. Because Rodgers decided to come here, and it was like how we chronicle it is, well, he, what Joe Douglas did was he built a, an infrastructure and a franchise that was attractive enough for an all-time great football player to say, I want to go there to win a championship. But what we forgot in doing all this buildup and, and lead up into the season was that same Joe Douglas drafted Zach Wilson with the number two overall pick. This has to work. And if it doesn't work, then he's got to wear it. That goes on his resume, along with AVT, who could be an all-pro at guard, along with Garrett Wilson, who could be an all-pro at receiver, and along with Sauce Gardner, who can be an all-pro at corner. Like, a lot of what we've had to do in, you know, looking past some of the, you know, misfirings and shortcomings has to do with Joe Douglas. Like, he's missed on a lot of these. Look at that 2020 draft. If Makai Becton doesn't find some resurgence after he's played, what, you know, 15 career games, 
since being drafted in 2020, then that entire draft is wiped out. And that has to fall on the general manager. Bo's in the mm-hmm. car. What's up, Bo? Hey, Ty. You're doing a great job. Thank right you, man. Thanks. Appreciate you. So um, you analyzed the game, right? You analyzed Zach Wilson's passes as well as that interception. Yeah. Um, those easy throws didn't look so easy. Timing was, timing was a little off, um, just to be critical about it. But what, what's your thoughts on that? Well, listen, I, I, I think that we saw a lot of what bedeviled him last year. Like he's got he's got sneaky good athleticism, but sometimes to his own detriment. Like he'll try to extend right. plays and do the Mahomes thing where he's going backwards. But the problem is he's not Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes right. can put himself in a spot where the probability of this play being a success is like at point one percent, and he's still able to do it because he's Mahomes. Whereas Zach Wilson doesn't have that type of upside. So, I, I, you know, I think the Jets went something like four or six on third down, which, look, to his credit, is good. And on that last drive where they were able to get the field goal to take the lead, he got the uh, quarterback sneak. So he did make some some good plays. We just have to see it more. We have to see more of it. Exactly. Exactly. And I appreciate the call, yeah, Bo. Are you, are you going to make another point? Uh, yeah. Just that um, with, with his um... – with with his game management, I just think that he plays with a college confidence, and he just needs to get into the into the flow of being a real professional. And I think once he does that, he'll be great. Well, I, I don't know if he's ever going to be great. I appreciate the call, but uh, the Jets went five of thirteen on third downs, and then one of one he had the sneak on fourth down. It's too much of what we saw last year was the three and out offense. Every time the Jets capitalized by, you know, forcing a turnover or in great field position, they couldn't score. They couldn't turn those short field situations and those opportunities into touchdowns. There was too much three and out and kicking field goals, and you're not going to win that way, especially with this schedule. Ron's in Chester. What's up, Ron? Hey, Ty. How are you? I'm doing well, man. What's going on? Good. So, as a Jets fan... Really, in all honesty, what else do you have to hope for? All this conversations about getting Kirk Cousins is absurd. In the middle of a season, guy has not uh, come and, know, and knows the system. Plus, you think Minnesota is going to give him away for a song? A guy in the last year of his contract. Well, if, they, if they're if out of it, on, if they're out of it by the deadline, then sure. Uh, and if they got an opportunity to get some draft capital for someone who they don't they don't plan on re-signing, absolutely. Right, but they know that the Jets need somebody, so they're not going to give them give them away. They're going to ask for a high draft pick. Of course, because you're right. They're, they're right, and so at that point, I think it's ridiculous to even think about a Kirk Cousins. Look, again, as a Jets fan, you have to hope at this point because you have nowhere else to turn. You have to hope that all the reasons that are given, whether it's um, the uh, Cook, uh, the uh, Greg uh, passing away, or whether it's the fact that he he wasn't ready and was immature, and he had an immature staff dealing with an immature player, uh, and not ready to bring him to prime time. Lots of reasons that could be all be true. But as a Jet fan, again, we have to hope at this point because if we're going to save the season, it's not going to be from another quarterback coming in. Well, it is going to be a it is going to be for Zach Wilson growing up to be a competent 
play because again, that's all you're looking for for him to be competent. Right. Well, we have to see it, and that's the thing, Ron. We appreciate the call. The reason why, like, you see all these shows, and then you actually want to give the hat tip to Get Up. I was watching Get Up yesterday, and they posed the question: You know, should the Jets go after Kirk Cousins? The reason why you are going to see like this type of conversation entertain is because of the lack of confidence in Zach Wilson. If Zach had done anything remotely close to giving us optimism or giving us a reason to believe he could steady the ship, then we, would, we wouldn't even be talking about this. But he hasn't done that. So the Jets are now counting on the Aaron Rodgers effect that does not involve him performing on the field. And that is that Zach has learned and will continue to learn underneath him, hoping that he can somehow take a leap just by osmosis, right? Like, that's what we're expecting. The talent is there. Like, you see it. There are some times where he makes throws and you're just like, man, like, if you can just do that more consistently. But then there's the interception to, to Matt Milano. Then there's the, 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 the interception last year against New England where he's running out of bounds it looks like he's trying to throw the ball away, but can't get it out of bounds. He throws it into the field and it is picked off. So look, it's a roller coaster. But the fact that you are in a position where teams still fear you because of that great defense, because of what you can do running the football and the weapons you have on offense, means that you have a chance, means that tomorrow is still exciting. And again, three and three is on the table. And if you can get to the bye three and three, People said that with Rodgers, you would have signed up for that. With Zach, of course, you're all over it. Hour number two coming up next. Giants, is their season on the line tomorrow afternoon? Let's talk about it next, right here on 98.7 ESPN.